0: I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here. Well, the uh, cold snap has not quite swung in yet, uh, but it's on the way. Uh, temperatures a little chillier than it's been the they've been the past few days, but still we are in good shape on this 22nd of November to still be where we are in terms of a lack of snow and temperatures a lot warmer than they usually are. Uh, it is being remarked on by many, of course, the 60th anniversary today. And for baby boomers and beyond everywhere, you remember where you were on the 22nd of November 1963, the assassination of American President John F. Kennedy. So a lot of reflecting and talking on that today. We chatted about it a little bit earlier. Well, I was intrigued by a brand new book out, uh, Donald Savoy, distinguished political scientist and academic uh, from New Brunswick, University of Moncton, public policy, public admin, federalism, uh, many, many books over the years, a brand new one called Canada Beyond Grudges, Grievances and Disunity. And he talks about the perception of victimhood by all of the provinces and regions, Now, of course, in Western Canada, we are always concerned about Ottawa's indifference, but we pray for indifference. I wake up every morning praying Ottawa would just be indifferent. Carbon taxes, pipeline bans, Bill C-69, we finally got overturned. Those things are quite inimical to our existence, but there's a very good argument historically. At the very best, there's been indifference. So, And, of course, I say as a proud Western Canadian, I could list... Grievances to the cows come home, which is probably exactly what Professor Savoie contemplates on a Canada full of people who see victimhood in their region. Don Savoy joins us in Moncton. Uh, thank you so much for taking our call today. I hope all's well in your world.
1: All is very well, and thank you very much for having me, and thank you for those kind words.
0: So, a little about the background of this. As a public policy scholar, was there a tipping point for you that said, I've got to write a book on this?
1: Yes. The tipping point, ironically enough, came from Western Canada. I got together with a bunch of academics, mostly from the University of Alberta, Calgary, and uh, Jack Mintz was involved, and we looked at... uh, uh, at federalism, we looked at Western Canada, and I thought that there's something there um, as a western as a Western Canadian. I would be quite peeved. then I started thinking, well, um, every region, every group at one point felt that they were victims. I start with me as an Acadian for a long time. I thought we were victims, still are you know some of us still think that we are victims. Maritimers, now we have a legitimate case of being victims because national policy really did hurt the maritime region immensely. Quebec views itself uh, as a victim. Now Ontario, because of transfer payments and, and whatnot, thinks that it's become a victim. Western Canada, of all the regions, I think frankly Western Canada has the most legitimate case that Ottawa does not pay sufficient uh, attention to that region, given the economic contribution it makes, and given that the policies that really overlook the interests uh, of Western Canada. So you group all that together and say, my God, we got a country of victims here. <laughs> and so then I decided, I decided to parse it out and say, who are the real victims? Well, I don't think Acadians are really victims. It's up to us. Um, i mean we we have all the tools to grow the economy. we have a new you know because of free market uh, free trade in boi in late eighties we get access to the new England market, which is enormous um, so we don 't really need to view ourselves as victims. The same applies to maritimers i mean uh, sure, national policies have hurt us immensely, but we have this big market to you know uh, and let 's get and let 's get going. Quebec, I mean, for Quebec to view itself as victim, they've sat in the prime minister's chair since 1968, with the exception of Stephen Harper and a few months under Joe Clark. Uh, So really, when when you govern from the centre, when the prime minister has so much clout in this country, in the federal government, I think it's a hard case for Quebec to view itself as a victim. Ontario, does anybody but Ontario (laughs) think that they're victims? And and so I go through the list. Now, when I come to Western Canada, honestly, um, I think Ottawa has not given proper due to Western Canada. I heard you when you said you wake up in the morning, you hope that Ottawa is not listening. Well, (laughs) at that point, I think Ottawa needs to listen. I think Western Canada has a legitimate beef, and it needs to be attended to. And our national national, uh, policies national uh, institutions are are built in such a way it's very difficult for them to accommodate the interests of Western Canada. Uh, And so that's where the book goes.
0: So, so in just our representative system of government, I mean, rep by pop, uh, obviously, while Alberta swings a, a greater weight, Saskatchewan still, you know, only 3% of the, the country's population. So, I mean, even politically, we tend to say, well, you're going to have a natural pull to the center in Ontario and Quebec.
1: Oh, it's been like that. Look, this country was was written, was born was given life by Ontario and Quebec for Ontario and Quebec's interests. Right. Point blank. There's no other don't look for another reason. When Ontario and Quebec got together and said we can't make this work, the Ontario and Quebec the central Canada before eighteen sixty seven, we can't make it work. And so we need to we need to look at other solutions. They came to the Maritimes and Maritimers were supposed to be the honest brokers. Well it didn't take long for Ontario and Quebec to say, well we have the same sort of interests, at least uh, on the economic side. Uh Western Canada did not exist in eighteen sixty seven. And the way it was brought in, frankly, um historically, Western Canada has a legitimate beef to say we weren't brought in properly. And so that's that's what's given rise to this victimhood. Um but I think frankly we've carried we've carried it too far. I think too many regions, too many Canadians view themselves as victims and that's ingrained in our institutions, uh, in our history, and I think we need to, you know, to overcome it. I don't think Barry should view themselves, you know, as victims. I don't think Quebec can view itself, if you run the country for 30, 40 years, how can you view yourself as a victim? Ontario? No. Western Canada, we need to adjust. National policies, national institutions need to be adjusted to accommodate Western Canada, because it's such a an important uh, economic force in this country. If we don't pay attention to it, if we don't deal with that problem, we could lose Western Canada. If we lose Western Canada, we lose Canada.
0: The great New Brunswick scholar, Donald Savoy. the new book is called Canada Beyond Grudges, Grievance and Disunity. You point out that unlike a place here, south of here, born of revolution and revolutions force elites to change and create new institutions, Canada wasn't born this way. So we have a, a series of compromises. So is it possible to compromise our way into doing a better job of accommodating Western Canada?
1: We have to. We don't have a choice because we really can't uh, amend uh, our Constitution. It's too rigid. I mean, people say we should abolish the Senate. Good luck. You're going to get 10 provinces. You're going to get PEI to abolish the Senate. Not a chance. So we have to find a way to accommodate. And uh, the person who sits in the prime minister's office has powerful, a very powerful say. And I think the national government can be adjusted. To correspond to the interests of Western Canada, and it need, the next prime minister or future prime minister future prime minister sorry need to think about that because the institutions that we have we imported it you know from England we didn 't want to change we saw what was going on uh, sort of the border there was a civil war raging, and people who designed. The Constitution says, geez, we, we don't want sort of regionalism to get out of hand. So that's why it was structured in such a way, such a way that Ontario and Quebec dominate everything at all times. And so that's what we need to adjust. And I'm going to repeat myself. Only the prime minister now has the clout to say, this is important. This is important for Canada. We need to find a way to adjust so that Western Canada is part of the family uh, in a way that it has not been for the past hundred and some years.
0: May we hope. Don, it's uh, always great hearing your insight. Thank you so much for the new book, and uh, all the best.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Professor Donald Savoie, in Moncton, the new book is Canada Beyond Grudges, Grievances, and Disunity. And he makes the point that when you do the analysis, there is one area of the country that has a justifiable concern. And he says, you may lose Western Canada, and if you do that, you've lost Canada. I'm John Gormley. This is six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. I'm John Gormley. i no. for, uh, Indo-Canadians, it's been a fairly tense time. Uh, The whole issuance of visas, passports for people who have been trying to deal with India. Uh, You remember after the Canadian prime minister made that allegation and Canada-India relations hit the skids a couple of months ago. India had closed a number of consular services on passports and visas to Canada and Canadians. Uh, Announcing today they've lifted that. So people who are looking for visas to be processed, Indian passports and the like, uh, all is back on. But probably they're not saying this in India, but much like the backlogs we had after the pandemic, when you had things closed down, you've got backlogs created. So hopefully that's not going to cause too much of a problem. That story coming out of the Indian embassy this morning. Uh, if you check out this, and I thought it was a really interesting piece from the Calgary-based think tank SecondStreet.org. SecondStreet.org is a think tank that leans a little bit conservative, and they've done some neat work on a compare-contrast piece between health care in Saskatchewan, healthcare in Canada, and healthcare care in other parts of the world. Uh, it has been pointed out. And now I start to look back on 25 years plus of doing this show as I hang it up. I drop the mic on Friday. Um, I think I've been kind of harpy over the years. And I will harp on this until the day I die. One of the problems when you look at the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, you know, 34 plus countries. Think of them like the spines of the books in a bookcase way over here on the left you've got the most state run funded healthcare system in fact there's only one payer by law the government and that book is called canada way over on the right you've got an insurance dominated system and that's the united states private insurance sadly those two are the outliers in the OECD sadder still they share this long cultural, social, political, and lifestyle border. So Americans spend their time looking up going, yeah, I guess the free part's good, but I'm not going to do those waiting lists. I'm not going to have the government rationing healthcare. Canadians look smugly down our noses and say, nobody will ever die here because they can't afford healthcare. And we'll live with long wait lists (laughs) and a system that is crashing on itself. So, Sweden is the latest one that secondstreet.org has looked at. And they've been pulling data that when you look at people dying on surgical wait lists, 14,000 people nationwide, 343 in Saskatchewan. And this thing that began back here in the 1940s when hospital insurance became government provided, then in 62... Care outside of hospitals became government-provided. Same guy did both things, guy named Tommy Douglas. The system is starting to fall over on itself. And their point is that the rhetoric of collaboration where countries like Sweden, uh, they talk about the six-month guarantee of care. If you don't have service, you simply go to wherever you want. One of the private hospitals, one of the other hospitals— government's got it covered. They have competing private hospitals. They have competing private insurance. They also have universal government insurance. And the system is able, for example, the government will have hospitals run by private companies. And the private companies subcontract other private companies, and it's all about the most efficient use of the government dollars that pay for health care. Gosh, imagine that. So a good piece. Saskatchewan can learn some healthcare lessons from Sweden. Op-ed piece by my buddy Dom Lusick uh, with secondstreet.org. Keep it up. And I think there's a brand new generation of Canadians who understand and live disruption. And they're getting ready, long overdue, to disrupt a health system that we know could run so much better a great rest of this day. Our gang returns tomorrow for my final session of Bugs Day, the Hour of Rage and much more. I'll see you here only on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.